Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another podcast with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today I have the incredible privilege of interviewing one of America's absolute icons. This man built something that is truly the American dream. He started literally in a broom closet and wound up creating a franchise with over a company with over 5,000 franchises around the country. It is Papa John himself, John Schnatter. John, such a pleasure to have you on the show with me today. My brother, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, David. Thanks uh, for having me. It's quite an honor. Thanks for uh, letting me be here. We're having a lot of fun with this. Absolutely. The honor is mine uh, for sure. The honor is mine. My goodness, you, you, you've done what so many in America wish and hope and want to try to do. The American dream is literally being able to start something, create something that you love and have it be a massive success. I, I hear that uh, you literally started Papa John's Pizza in a broom closet. Can you expound on that for me? Well, it- to your point, it's it's been a real blessing. Uh, we've been uh, really fortunate. We've always had great people with great souls, with uh, a positive attitude that thought they could do it. And we we just we built a, a really a family business, and we ran it like a family business, and it became a big business. But it really is the team that I just surrounded myself with great people, and, and then they they did all the heavy lifting. And to your point, we started in Daddy's um, bar in a broom closet was $1,600 and people like the pizza. And we had uh, two fundamental beliefs. If you take care of your people and they make a good product, then people will come back. And we built a pretty good loyal customer base. And um, that's the story of Papa John's. Pretty simple, pretty nuts and bolts. Well, you make it sound simple, my brother, but it's definitely uh, the American dream American dream come true. And great pizza, by the way. Got to share that with you. I've always loved your pizza. So it's a blessing to have you on the show today. Well, you're tasting that better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. That's what it's all about. (laughs) In the research I did, I didn't see why or how you came up with the name Papa John's. Where did did just teaming Papa and John's come with? Was that a nickname by uh, friends or family for you? Not exactly. I made pizzas in high school. Uh, That's where I really fell in love with making pizza. I loved everything about it. And at the time I was a dishwasher and I hated washing dishes. Uh, So Joe, John and Frank Fondrisi taught, they were real Italian. They were authentic. They taught me the art of making pizzas. And then Chris Massini, who's still my mentor this day up at Greek's Pizzeria in Muncie, Indiana. That's how I got through college. So I had the recipes. I had the equipment. I had the store layout. I didn't have a name. So I was on the fifth floor of La Follette dorm in Muncie, Indiana at Ball State. And there was a marketing major down the hall from Chicago. And I told the guy, I said, listen, if you can come up with a name and a logo, I'll give you a pizza a week for the rest of your life. So sure enough, three or four days later, he came back with Papa John's. And um, at the time it was blue and red, not green, that we had adapted and adopted later. And I went, I liked it. I liked the way it looked in print. We were a print-driven business. Uh, the job re- was referring to me. So I said, okay, that'll work. And I said, if it ever goes big, I'll give you a pizza a week for the rest of your life. And he's never come forward. So David, run the math. 
10 bucks a pizza, 50 weeks, 52 weeks, that's 500 bucks a year. We've been in business for 34 years, so that's $17,000 worth of pizza on this guy. So if you're from Chicago, in 1982, if you were on the fifth floor, La Follette dorm, I owe you $17,000 worth of pizza, but he's never come forward. I think that's pretty funny. Well, if you're listening, my brother, give Papa John a call or reach out to me. We'll help you get connected. That is a blessing. Well, your life has literally embodied um, the American dream, you know, to take something as as a, as simple as seemingly simple as pizza and create a business around it and then pour. Obviously, that's the simple part to pour your blood, sweat and tears and heart into it and passion into it. You know, you've you must have some amazing stories. You must have some amazing things that you've seen and uh, and be able to been able to live because of that American dream. Tell me, what do you think? What, what is your thought on leadership? What, what does good leadership mean to you? Good leadership is an individual that people get behind. They believe in their vision. They believe in their principles. They believe in their fundamental values and the way they do business. And they know if they get behind this person their life's going to get better. Think about that. If you believe in somebody and you want to follow them, you really believe your life is going to get better. And uh, that's what good leadership is, is making other people's lives better. It's just that simple. Yes. Well, and the other thing I I know you mentioned was that you had a, a good mentor. And I think mentors are so important and vital because we're not in this by ourselves. We've, we've got the opportunity to network with people and really lean on the understanding and the wisdom and the knowledge of other individuals How important was having a mentor for you in your success, would you say? It was paramount. If if you don't have role models and you don't have people to look up to, and you may have different people in different disciplines. For example, creativity, we always looked up to Walt Disney. With regards to uh, teamwork, John Wooden or Vince Lombardi making pizza. Um, The Fondrisi brothers and Chris Caramassini. So we've always had good mentors, but... Probably as far as principles and values, my greatest mentor was my mom. She's tough. <laughs> and, and, you know, you just, you you know, you better play it straight and you better put the cards on the table and you better give it your best effort. So my mom was really the unflappable backbone that built uh, the character of Papa John's that made us all great. Wow, I love that. My mom was definitely a huge mentor and supporting factor for myself. She politically actually is, you know, one of the persons that told me and always coached me, pay attention to how a person votes, not what they say when they're on the stage, because how they vote actually is a lot different. I'm thankful I listened to that because I probably wouldn't be in the situation I am today with the show and doing what I do if it wasn't for my mom. So I love hearing kudos to moms that were there for uh, their boys, their daughters to help guide them. That's a blessing. Yeah. Rock a Gibraltar, brother. Rock a Gibraltar. So she's tougher than nickel steak. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you think that the American dream, being able to take something from scratch and turn it into a massive success or a success period, but especially a massive success, do you believe that that dream is still alive in America today? Oh, absolutely. There's probably more wealth been created the last, you know, let's just take the last five years than the uh, history of the country combined. But The framers set up certain fundamental principles, the separation of powers, for example, that really created an environment like nothing in the history of man for entrepreneurs to come come over from other countries and to get ahead. 
get ahead, to save money, to work hard, and to get ahead for their families and for future generations. So as long as you don't have a lot of government interference, a lot of regulations, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of interference with that free enterprise system. So entrepreneurs can really spread their wings and create uh, great wealth and um, <clears throat> great opportunities uh, for our fellow man. We are in a really, really good situation. So hands off government, pro-business, and let the entrepreneur do what they do. And that is create jobs and make uh, America a special place. Well, I, I 100% agree with you, my brother. I've been a serial entrepreneur myself since I was 20. Uh, just continue to find myself uh, building and creating businesses and love the opportunity that creating a business provides. On the, on the heel of that question, let me ask you something that's a little bit more political. If the proposals that the Democrats that are running for president were to take effect, if if Donald Trump was to lose the election this year, if a Democrat was to take over as president, and if these socialist ideologies that these Democrats are proposing, things like the new Green Deal and all that, if those were to take effect, do you think then underneath that type of uh, government that the American dream would still be possible? <laughs> David J. Harris, you, <laughs> you know, um, good question, tough question. Whether you like the president or not, you have to respect his accomplishments. I mean, if you look at the tax cuts, uh, the thriving economy, uh, the power of our military, the stability of our military and jobs, uh, he's just done a, a fantastic job. Let's obfuscate here over to countries that have promoted socialism. We'll take Germany, China. Uh, we can even go right to the moment with Venezuela. Let's take Chile, which, you know, this doesn't take hundreds of years for socialism to destroy countries or for free markets to make it prosperous. It happens quickly. Uh, Chile, uh, free markets, they thrive. Then they go to socialism, they crash. Then the 60s and 70s, they're back up to free enterprise, they thrive. And then socialism, they crash. This has all happened the last 70, 80 years in Chile. So I give you examples, uh, exhibit A, B, and C, and D, that if you do practice socialism, then the people that they pretend to help and give entitlements to, they actually get hurt the most. I agree 110%. So it sounds like you're agreeing with me. I personally believe that the American dream, the opportunity to live the American dream, in our country, our beautiful country would be under attack if a Democrat was to to win the election and the and socialism was to become uh, more of the law of the land. It seems like it'd be a lot harder to do those to do those things as an individual when you've got big government with their hands in every single pocket you can think of and then some. Yeah, I'll give you something really beautiful. You're not going to have a Google or an Apple or an Amazon in a socialistic environment. You're not going to have that. Here's something more beautiful. You're not going to have the next Google, the next Apple, the next Amazon, if you have a socialistic environment. So while today they look extremely successful, and they are, uh, there's something bigger and better going to come along in a free market economy. I don't know what that is. I can just tell you that free market promotes efficiency, it promotes productivity, and it promotes innovation. And that makes everybody's life better. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't have, uh, you know, one of those or we have or use one of the beautiful things like a smartphone or use Amazon or, you know, all these things that uh, the government would say, love to say, oh, we're going to regulate all of that and uh, and all the power and all the oil. And we're going to pretty much regulate your life. Uh, to me, it does not sound like a utopia of any kind 
that uh, that I that I want to take part of. Yeah, when the when I first saw the technology boom come in to play, remember in 1995 we were still operating out of a, a cash register cigar box. So that was when we first came in with point of sale and computer. That's 1995. That wasn't all that long ago. And technology scared me a little bit because of you take kids in the backseat of the car, they don't talk, they text <laughs> to each other in a car. So you're kind of going, you know, what does this do for the, the social element of the interaction and interpersonal skills for us, you know, as humans? And so I was very concerned about that. But what how technology is playing out, which makes sense and sense with evolution, we seem as a species to get more and more sophisticated and our lives get better is technology now has put all the cards on the table instantaneously. And what these kids and what this young generation is thriving for is authenticity. Just be real. And that is something I think is going to play a big part of making our country, making the world a better place, because you have to put the cards on the table and you have to play it straight. Otherwise, the uh, speed of uh, information and technology, you're going to get called out. And I think that's a real advantage that's going to make all of us better human beings. Absolutely. I agree. On the topic of making our country great, (laughs) I know that you recently attended a, a rally for President Donald J. Trump. Tell us about that experience, that rally that you went to. Whether you like the president or don't, you have to respect his accomplishments. Of course, we all wish some, at times he'd go about it a little differently. But, uh, you know, the economy and and the the, the job rates, um, cutting taxes, it's, it's just been tremendous. But everybody ought to go see a Trump rally. I mean, it's I mean, people literally sit there for 30 hours and wait for him to get there. And there's an energy and a charisma. The blue collar folks that wake up every day and make this country great, they're at Trump rallies. And the people that, uh, the working men, working women, that really bust their tail to make America a special place, uh, they've really embraced this president and uh, he's embraced them. And, um, you know, you can't argue with success, but again, like or don't like, you ought to go to a Trump rally just to experience uh, at least experience it just once because it is quite a unique experience. It's it's a bucket list kind of deal. <laughs> well, I know, you know, on the cusp of everybody should go to a Trump rally, a good friend of mine that is a black man, he was a Tucson police department for six years. He was SWAT for a year and a half. He voted Democrat his entire life. He believed the mainstream media. He believed everything that they said about Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. And then he went to a rally and it changed his tune. It completely changed the narrative for him. His perspective changed. He said, there's not a bunch of racist people here. Everybody had smiles and how are you? And it was good American values and people represented in those rallies. So I agree. If you haven't been to a Trump rally yet and you're listening to this right now, you should definitely get yourself to a Trump rally and see why so many Americans are rallying in the I think in New Jersey, they had like one hundred and thirty thousand people plus that had requested tickets for his rally. (laughs) And some people were out there for over 24 hours waiting in the cold just to be able to get in and listen to this president. Have you ever seen anything like this, John, in your history of viewing presidents and presidential candidates? Have you ever seen anything like this in history as far as the rallying of Americans behind this president, a president like this? Again, good 
bad or indifferent. Trump has pretty well broke the mold on every attribute as far as uh, the executive branch. If you meet the president, he actually is a very charming, he's a gentleman, he has just great presence. It actually comes across very kind and very charming. And But sometimes when he does it on the camera, the camera doesn't seem to like him as well. But the president that, that I've uh, spent time with and met is just a different president than the perception out there. But I think he's slowly but surely, he works so hard. I mean, he's the hardest working executive that I've I've ever seen in action. And his results and his progress, again, speak for themselves. But if people would meet uh, Donald Trump in person, they would have a different perception than the perception the media paints. But that's, you know, that's the, that's the field of play that he's on and he's got to deal with it. Yes. Well, I- I think he deals with it very well. And I, I agree. I've met him on multiple occasions. He's very warm. You know, I, I'm, I, for one, believe that I can tell when somebody's racist. I mean, I've met some racist folks in my lifetime. They don't have to tell you. There's just an air about them, a way that they'll have a certain look in their eye. Or if somebody just doesn't like you for any reason, it's you can tell. Every single time I've met the president six or seven times and shaken his hand, I've never felt anything but love, compassion, and respect from him. And it's absolutely a a beautiful thing. So I concur with you there, brother. I think that he truly does love this country and he loves all people. And it's a blessing. Now, you were talking about, you mentioned something that I wanted to point out because I believe so many of the people that are attending the the president's rallies are blue-collar workers. Why do you think there's such an enormous response from blue collar workers for this president and for the policies that he's been uh, putting forward? Well, he's draining the swamp. I was talking to a very astute, insightful executive uh, this past month. And we were, you know, you can argue both sides of the political line here. But the one thing this person said is Trump's probably one of the only people in Washington, D.C. that's not on the take. And that kind of hit me like, wow. But I mean, he has an agenda and it's, you know, to make this country better, to make this country great. And he's not going to get off that agenda. And what I've seen bef- uh, so far is he has not put his personal interest in, uh, in front of the interest of uh, the country. And the country is blue collar workers. I mean, take Papa John's, for example. It's nothing but people that wake up every day and do the right thing and do great work serving pizza and bringing friends and family together on people that wake up every day and do all the hard work. So I think he's connected with the blue collar worker and the people that make our country great because he's being honest with them. And they appreciate that authenticity. They appreciate the reality. And I think that's what gives corporate America a bad name is that they try to take shortcuts and they try to take advantage of the people that really are doing the heavy lifting. I mean, let's face it, in most companies, the executive gets his five or 10 or 15 million a year and the employees don't get their raise. That, to me, is just wrong and it's not sustainable. And I think Trump looks out for the the little man and little woman, the common people that wake up every day and make our country great. And I think they, they feel that, they sense that. And of course, the economy speaks for itself. Yeah, the economy is booming. I travel all over the country and I normally will wear uh, one of my Keep America Great or Make America Great hats. And it's funny for, you know, the first year, I've been doing this for three years now. The first year, I get a lot more crazy looks, especially folks seeing a brother, you know, wearing a a hat that supports the president. It's kind of like, you know, they didn't know where to place that. But I just give them a big smile. But I'd get a few whispers, you know, in the first year, a few thumbs up here and there. And the last two years, especially this last year, I got more thumbs up, more smiles, 
and more people saying, I like your hat and I love this president than I, than I ever have before. I think the blue collar workers, Americans, people that have 401ks, pensions, retirement plans, people that are the backbone of this country and small business owners that are literally the backbone of this country. They're seeing so many benefits from this president's policies. And like you said, they see that he's t- trying to drain the swamp. And I think Americans are just tired of the swamp creatures. We know they're out there. We know they exist. And I think we're finally uh, so elated that we've got a champion in the White House that's fighting for us. Yeah. You know, there's a saying, incongruity breeds mistrust. And I think the reason the country is thriving and the markets are thriving is because Trump is very consistent. Um, again, whether you like him or dislike him, uh, the markets like his continuity, like his consistency. And um, if you put him in a situation, you pretty well know what he's going to do before he does it. He's very predictable. He's very consistent. And I think he's put the hammer down on some of the bad apples, some of the foreign policy, some of the folks that were getting away with, with things they shouldn't have. And I think America knows that he's not going to tolerate it. And I think markets know he's not going to tolerate it. And he's kind of what you see is what you get. And I think that's making this a, a thriving country right now. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said any better. I personally believe there's a, a lot happening. I'm a very I'm a person of faith. I definitely believe that we're in a spiritual battle, but, you know, battles come in all in all shapes and sizes. Can you just tell me what your what your faith or or what you believe God has spoken to you through your journeys, your successes, through everything that you've gone through as an American, as a business icon? What role did faith play in any of that? Well, if you asked me that question 30 years ago when I was in my 20s, Versus, say, 20 years ago when I was in my 30s or 10 years ago, I would have probably given you a different answer. Remember, the goal in Daddy's bar and in the broom closet was make $50,000 a year so I could get a date. So strictly, you know, to get by, biological. But I think over the years, you know, you you want materialistic things and you want your kids to go to college and, and have a bright future. But I, I think as you get older, you understand that those are important. But the things that really fulfill me and I think fulfill most people is making other people's lives better. You reach a point where you, you have enough uh, resources to cover the bills and to have nice things. Uh, but just personally, I, I get fulfilled when I see other people do well. That's what makes me happy. And I don't know if that's spirituality or, or faith. I just know that if I make other people's lives better, if I do right by them, sooner or later, my life's going to get better. And every time I get off that fundamental principle, I'm not not a happy human being. So I hope I'm a better man than I was five years ago and I hope five years from now, I'm a better man than I am today. And I think that's simply making other people's lives better. Uh, I call it a win, 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 win. And that's the probably the biggest success on that run that we had from 2009 and 2017. The suppliers won, the franchisees won, the employees won, my communities won. It was a win, 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 win. And uh, I think that's uh, that's spirituality in itself. When everybody uh, is happy and prosperous and they're they're buying their uh, new homes for their kids and they're putting their kids through good college. I think that's uh, that's about as good as it gets. I think that is great. Absolutely. I think that is uh, the father heart of God as well, to see his kids doing well and thriving. Brother, I believe that God has used you mightily. I believe he's going to continue to use you mightily. And I just pray that even the best of your years that you've had would pale in comparison to what 
doors God opens up for you in the future. I truly believe that you share a heart and a compassion for people and for this country. And it's an honor, my brother, to have been able to spend this time with you and to hear some of your story. And one last parting gift, one last parting gift to our audience. What would you say to the entrepreneur out there that is facing all of the, the obstacles that, that we face? You know, we can't do it. We don't have enough money. We don't have this. We don't have that. What would your parting blessing as somebody that started from a broom closet and built an absolute iconic brand, Papa John's, what would your uh, what would your message be to that individual? Uh, I'd take a page out of Jimmy V's book with regards to um, the coach, the V Foundation. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. You know, nine out of 10 entrepreneurs fail. But I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur until I got thrown in that broom closet and that bar at Mixed Lounge. I didn't know I was an entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur and you're, you're never going to stop their spirit. So I would just say <clears throat> work hard, be honest, know there is a higher power. They have a plan for you. Uh, trust your soul. And man, Jimmy Valano, never, never give up. Well, I think that's beautiful. I think it's accurate. And I think that too many people, you know, when you say when you say nine out of 10 fail, it made me think one out of 10 succeeded, you know, and we got to have the attitude that we'll be that one and be determined no matter what it takes if we want to go after our dreams. And I believe right now uh, is the, the stage is set for an absolute booming economy because of uh, policies and less regulations that are in effect. So, John, it has been an absolute privilege and honor. Is there anything else that you wanted to share you'd like to share with my audience today? Well, in closing, David, to your last question, my dad had 10 businesses and all 10 failed. And my grandfather had a couple successful businesses. And it was the heart and soul of my daddy never giving up to keep taking chances and through trial and error and tinkering to finally find a way that his son and my grandfather's grandson could create Papa John's in a broom closet. So David Harris Jr., it's been an honor to be with you and uh, don't ever give up. Absolutely. I won't. Thank you so much, John. I'd love to have you back on again in the future. I know you've got some stuff with health and wellness that you're working on. That is also my field. I'm in the health and wellness industry. So uh, you never know how we may be able to complement each other. But I'd love to uh, have you on again and hear more about what you've got your hands on and and in, because I'm sure it's going to be a blessing to millions of people. Well, uh, I can't wait to catch up with you on that. I'm sure you can teach me a few things. (laughs) I'll teach you. uh, I'll teach you what I can. That's for sure. But I'm sure I can learn a lot from you, too. John, thank you so much, my brother. Praying for you. I pray that God would just continue to bless you, flourish you and uh, give you wisdom and insight in everything that you are endeavoring to do. So uh, I look forward to having you back on again in the future. And uh, thank you again so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. So, folks, there you have it. Is the American dream still possible? Yes, it is. Would the American dream be under attack if Democrats were to take office as president and institute and implement their socialist ideologies? You better believe it. If you want to be able to take advantage of the absolute open platform that this president's policies have given to all Americans... I think you've just got one person that you can support and vote for in November. And again, if you haven't gotten to a Donald Trump rally, get to a Donald Trump rally this year. You're going to want to be a part of what I believe is absolutely history. David J. Harris Jr., God bless you. We'll see you next time on the David J. Harris Jr. Show. Bye-bye.